But one more day here from the home studio. Dan uh, has some business to take care of today with with Troy, where, of course, he handles the uh, women's basketball play-by-play. So Carter is hung around from on the line and uh, sticking with sticking with us here on the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Carter, you uh, you ready for a couple of more hours? Absolutely. I'm just glad that I can be here to uh, help some and uh, and and f- fill in for Dan where where where, I, where y'all y'all need me. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's great. I'm glad you can hang around. It's Thursday. That means uh, we we always welcome in as our regular Thursday co-host slash guest, and that's Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm very tired, Bill, but I, I feel like I'm probably doing a little bit better than you because of the surgery this week. What 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 are you tired from? <laughs> I felt like Monday took about four weeks. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how 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 everyone else felt about it. But no, it's been good. And with basketball last night, game this weekend on the road, it's been pretty busy. But I mean, these are the kind of weeks that uh, that make your job pretty fun. I think. Oh yeah, no no question about it. Well, I. All right, so yeah, I had the I had the shoulder surgery yesterday. I think I mentioned this on the show yesterday, or maybe I did with uh, um, Wimp Sanderson yesterday when they called me. They uh, somebody said, "Well, uh, uh, rough day for Brian Harson Monday," and I went, "Rough day for Brian Harson." I had shoulder surgery. Brian Harson got fifteen million dollars <laughs> on Monday. Man, I'll swap days with him every day for the you know forever on how rough a day it was. But you're right. Hey, I, I was I was just glad Monday I got out of anesthesia, came to, picked up my phone. It was eleven fifty, and within a minute came the release from Auburn wow. that they made change. So I at least did I Amazing. at least didn't wake up and I missed it. But you're right, yeah, it's been crazy. We'll talk more about that. I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on on the football situation. But as you mentioned, uh, last night basketball. I think Carter was there as well. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make it obviously last night. Um, you know, checked checked a little of it, listened a little online, looked at that uh, still shot that there was in the baseline, but uh, but yeah, I I thought we ought to we'd, we'd love to start off talking basketball. Let me t- go ahead and take care of the the business that needs to be taken care of though. Hour number one of the drive is brought to you as usual by our friends at uh, Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. You can also give us a call on the Kia of Auburn hotline, and that number to get you through is 334-321-1390, or you can text us, and the uh, the ESPN 1067 text box brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, and the uh, number to get you through, the number to text us is 334-564-1840. So with all that, yeah, I'd, I'd love, Justin, you, you start, and then Carter, you can chime in. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on what you saw with the debut of the 2022-23 Auburn Basketball Tigers last night. Well, I think the key story for Auburn is that, you know, there was so much new, everybody's talking about guys adjusting into new roles, some new guys making their debuts in this game uh, in the arena in front of a live crowd, but it was two of the oldest players on the team that had the best night. Jalen Williams didn't miss a shot. Um, had a, you know, other than fouling out, he had a as close to a perfect game as you could possibly have. Um, you know, played limited minutes, but still was the mo- one of the most efficient players on the floor. Uh, and then on top of that, Alan Flanagan looked kind of like the Alan Flanagan that we've heard about for the last couple of weeks and months. Um, and just, I mean, looked, moved really, really well. 
very explosive, played with some confidence. And Bruce Pearl said after the game, played with some joy about him. He's had a rough year and, and, and some change. Uh, and just seeing him kind of get back to his old self, I think, was a really, really good sign uh, for Auburn. And it's a super deep team. They had an experimental rotation. They used a lot of different guys out there. I think the starting lineup is definitely going to be a lot different Monday night against George Mason. Uh, but, I mean, it just goes to show you in a game like this um, just how deep this team is and the fact that you didn't get good outside shooting, you turned the ball over a decent bit against a D2 team, still scored 87, which has been most than Auburn has been putting up in their exhibitions recently, I think was a pretty good sign for them to lead off uh, the season. Yeah, I think it, it was a little bit at times sloppy, but mm-hmm. I thought the – I never felt that they were at risk of, of – Kind of letting letting UAH turn it into a really really close ball game or even losing the game, right? But they kind of just let him hang around um, a little bit there. I was impressed with 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 Jalen Williams. It was really a, it was a quiet sixteen. It almost felt like oh, yeah. to be honest. Uh, but Allen, he did look really good. Uh, maybe maybe a lot better than I think some people thought he would in this in this exhibition game. What stuck out to me was from from jump. He had active hands on defense. He had three steals. I thought the entire Auburn defense, especially in some spurts there, really, I mean, they racked up 15 steals in the yep. game. It was, this team can be really, really great on defense, but obviously the, the the negatives are the fact that Auburn didn't shoot from the line particularly well, didn't shoot from deep that, that well either, going 6 of 27 for just 22%. That's, that's something that's been, I guess, a concern coming into the year, and yep. it showed up in the exhibition. Obviously, small sample size. We'll, we'll see how they progress out of the gate here on, on, as the season gets going. You know, looking at the box, um, Auburn. Uh, it looked like they they shot it okay in the first half. Yeah, from deep. What what did the wasn't it six for sixteen or something like that in the first half? That's yeah. not terrible. Yeah, no, they, they looked good in the first half. Second half, it just kind of fell apart. And, and you know, some of those misses in the second half, I thought Auburn had a little bit better shot selection in the second half. Some of those misses late, I know Leo Berman had like three three point attempts like in the final minute from, and a half. From like the logo. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> he, was, he was pulling when he had his opportunities. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing there is, like I said, you score 87 in a game where you don't really shoot well from the from three and, and you do turn the ball over. Uh, Bill, I think one of the things that stood out to me was just the fact that um, this team is going to be better built to score on the inside, to play on the inside. I'll even say that, too. They you know, got a lot of good inside scoring on a day when neither of their centers really had great games either. Um, uh-huh. And so, uh, I mean, I think this team is just going to be better built to play a little bit more physical, play a little bit more down low, and so that when the shots aren't falling, I think they're going to be able to create in a lot more different way, ways than maybe we've seen some Bruce Pearl teams do in the past. I think yeah, those... that's, exactly, that's exactly where I, where I was going to go. Was, uh, it didn't sound like a um, uh, Jedi Broom didn't play a whole lot of minutes, and then mm-hmm. uh, Dylan didn't have a, um, a, a great night. It didn't sound like either. No. And like you said, Auburn still gets 87 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those centers, I thought – when the ball did get tossed down low to them, they had some looks and kind of left a few of them short. Dylan had the uh, – he went for the massive two-hand dunk and got uh, twice. Caught, caught on the rim and almost hurt himself. He was limping up the court. But I, I, I think those guys, 
it's kind of first game jitters a little bit. I think Probably, it's going to be yeah. something that they they round into form, and I think you you'll see them respond on Monday against that that George Mason team for sure. And, and Yoan, I would say Yoan played had a great first half. Quiet second half, didn't really do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't play a ton either. Um, but yeah, it was Bruce Pearl said after the game he was talking about how he wanted this game to show like opportunities. This, this team's going to give you a lot of opportunities because it's so deep and they're going to play a lot of different guys. They're going to rotate a lot of different guys. And he said, it's time for some of these guys to step up. He's like, he said, like he, by name, he said, it's time for Dylan Carwell to step up. It's time for Chris Moore to step up. And he said, Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan really stepped up for him uh, uh, on Wednesday night. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's some guys like Katie Johnson didn't shoot well at all. Yet he was tied for the team lead in plus minus and was a menace on defense. I thought he did a really good job of, you know, uh, getting out of like when the three point shot obviously wasn't falling for him. Second half, he drove a lot, got to the free throw line a lot, created a lot. Wendell, when his shot stopped falling as much, he started creating a lot more. So it's just, you got to get, you get, get some of those adjustments and you feel like that's a good sign for this team is that when a couple guys are not, Finding their rhythm, finding their shot. Last night, you you know you were completely fine because of the matchup, but I think you were completely fine in the efficiency of your offense because other guys had their runs, and then like we said, Allen and Jalen were just from front to back really, really strong. One thing I couldn't tell just from uh, the, from not being there that uh, is really interesting to me is the progression of Wendell from mm-hmm. uh, you know from being a, a more of a a scoring point guard to. You know, is, mm-hmm. is he more comfortable as a uh, facilitator and, and running the show? How how'd you feel about that last I night? I thought so. Um, Bruce made a good point last night that he would have had a lot more assists if Auburn would have made more shots. Um, <laughs> you know, there were a couple of them. There were a, there were a couple of those um, missed layups and dunks that you know would have been assists from Wendell. Yeah, he just seemed really solid in command. You never felt like he got too far. Um, hyped up, too far out of control. He was just kind of playing it well. You know, shots weren't shots weren't ultimately falling for him, especially in the second half. But in the first half, I thought another thing that was really interesting for him, a little dynamic that um, those of us have gotten to see practice the, uh, this off season have seen it from him. But he was getting more aggressive with the mid range jumper, knowing that guys are going to really close out on him on deep and maybe sag off on drives. So he's trying to hit that kind of mid range game. He had a couple of really good looks from there. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I thought Wendell, thought Wendell played well. And then we've gotten this deep with that mentioned. Trey Donaldson had a great game. Um, great debut for Trey Donaldson. Um, led the team in rebounds. I think it's going to be the thing that you keep seeing from Auburn's point guards is that, um, they'll rebound down when everybody else is boxing out. They do a good job of that. Um, but yeah, Trey looked in command of the offense, made some tough shots, got to the free throw line, got to the rim. Uh, you can really tell he was a good dual threat uh, quarterback and a and really good safety in football. I mean, he just plays with a with a level of physicality that kind of goes out outside of his size. So I thought both of Auburn's point guards last night really, really did a good job of managing the offense, keeping things going early on, and then um, you know allowing that. And, and if Trey is able to have that kind of role. That's going to allow Zepp to get more and more comfortable playing that two guard role back where he played some of that at Charleston, especially when Grant Riller was there. Um, but he's had to be more of a one at Auburn. I think if, if Trey, if Trey Donaldson is ready to get good minutes right now as a point guard early in the season, that's going to do wonders for Auburn's rotation, especially for Zepp and especially when Chance Wester gets back on the floor. And you don't have to play him at the one and you get to play him more as a secondary playmaker. Mm-hmm. I think that really unlocks Auburn's potential as a backcourt. Yeah, Trey impressed me with the fact that I just thought 
he really does when you watch him play point guard. You can see like the football player mentality in him some, and he, oh, yeah. he brings that toughness. And, I mean, pretty efficient game shooting. I mean, four of six, went to the line, hit his two free throws. But the, the seven boards is really impressive from, from the point guard spot. If he's just capable to give you some minutes in this freshman year at that point guard spot, and you have depth there, and you don't run into a situation like last year when when you had Zepp out sick, and all of a sudden you're, you were razor thin at guard, and in that Georgia game, it felt like Wendell and, and KD were exhausted in the last 10 minutes of that one. Yeah, that's going to be huge for their depth for sure. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, Chance. You mentioned Chance Westry, who's still out a little bit. Uh, had a couple of folks asking this week, you know, what's uh, what, what's the expectation as to when he's going to be back? Uh, Bruce said it's still going to be a couple of weeks for him uh, before he comes back. Um, he has um, he has he was wearing a brace. He had something on on his knee for really the last month. Um, it looks like that is off now, um, and so that's a good sign. I think they're just going to play it safe with him. Uh, but you know, I think the hope is that you know Auburn by the time maybe they go to go to uh, Cancun or maybe right after they come back from Cancun, they can have uh, Chance Westry back at at, uh, at full speed, which would, again makes this team that showed a ton of depth last night. I'll I'll give you another example of the depth. Stretch Akinbola played really well, uh, plus minus wise. He didn't really do much in terms of the box score, but he was active on defense and helped Auburn out when they were in foul trouble. It's just this is such a deep basketball team, and then putting a piece like Chance in there. Uh, is just going to really change it. And so very different way of winning and a very different style of, of play from this team compared to the last few Pearl teams and especially from last year's team that was so focused with Jabari and Walker. Um, but um, I think the added depth, the added physicality, and the added experience is, is, is going to make them a really tough team for anybody to play. And and that's the mark of a great coach is that uh, he can adapt oh, yeah. to the – players and the style that he has and that's one of the things bruce can do so yeah there's no question ton of excitement and rightfully so about auburn basketball with the exhibition out of the way and just a few days away from the season opener we need to get to our first break here of the afternoon scott bagwell is going to be joining us auburn high ready to uh, open up the playoffs tomorrow night we'll check in with him on that love to hear from you Come on in and join us on the Kia of Auburn Hotline, 334-321-1390, as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the uh, Thursday Drive. Yep, no Dan today. Uh, Bill uh, from the home studio Carter Bird, Justin Ferguson in the studio, Drew at the controls, and let's go to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And uh, we'll welcome in the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers, and that is uh, Scott Bagwell. As let's see, it's a it's a busy day. I know Scott got Auburn High. Auburn High's got basketball this evening, but playoff football is coming up tomorrow night. So let's uh, let's start with let's start with the football, obviously, because here we are into the uh, first round of the playoffs, and a familiar face on the other side of the, on the other sidelines. With uh, Tim Carter bringing uh, Fairhope in, yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, I was uh, I was surprised as the season unfolded that they were the three 
Um, obviously, they've, they've been ranked all year high and uh, got up to as high as number two, I believe. Um, and then they uh, they dropped a game to Foley, who has some really, really good receivers. And then, to be honest with you, just didn't play well against Baker. And, and, and just like that, uh, they're the three. Um, it's probably the best coaching staff down in that area. Um, and they have uh, an electric uh, quarterback that's going to give them an opportunity if he's able to, to, to start making plays. He's their leading rusher and the leading passer. And um, he's also in the North-South All-Star game. And one of the other quarterbacks in that game is going to be Clyde Pittman. So uh, should be a really good one at the Duck on Friday. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, as, as you said, and I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, people – fans and, and and maybe even players at times will want to look ahead but well you can't afford to look ahead when you've got a team that's as talented as Fairhope. yeah and uh again it's uh it, it's a surprise that they're the three but um hey that's why you play the games um they got they got an explosive offense and the other thing that 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 really makes you concerned is the team that's won a lot of close games so if they get into a close game in the fourth quarter. It's a team that has confidence that they're going to find a way to make the plays that they need to do to get a win. Well, but Auburn has the experience. I'm not as concerned. I mean, if this was a team that uh, uh, hadn't been in the playoffs for a while or was really, you know, just dying to get to that second-round game, it's hard for me to imagine with as much experience as Auburn High has uh, and their experiences here in the playoffs that they're going to be looking ahead. Yeah, uh, it's a senior-led team, uh, a bunch of seniors that have played a bunch of football games. Um, and uh, and you still have somebody who's won a state championship in Braden Joyner on the team um, when he started for Oxford uh, a couple of years ago. And then you mix in a bunch of uh, seniors that should have won a state championship, and, and they are very much aware of how important it is to, to get off to a good start in the first round. You can't. You can't make it to Auburn and play for a state championship and uh, without winning the first one. So this is a team that I know they're hungry. Uh, they got a chip on their shoulder because a lot of people across the state don't expect them to uh, to 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 advance uh, to Auburn. So I know that they um, they get to sit in the underdog role for the first time probably all year long, and uh, I think they're going to uh, enjoy it a little bit. Uh, Scott, where what are the areas that you feel um, that you feel the best about when you look at matchups uh, here uh, heading into tomorrow night's game? Probably Auburn's receivers against uh, Fairhope's defensive backs. I think um, I think the offensive line will be able to, to push Fairhope around a lot, but I think Auburn's going to be able to find a lot of matchups in the secondary with their explosive receiving core that they like. And, uh, and and I think Auburn's going to have an opportunity to put a bunch of yards and a bunch of points up on the scoreboard uh, attacking that back four uh, tomorrow night. And it looks like it's going to be great weather for it. Uh, should should be perfect weather for, for, a, uh, uh, for a great matchup tomorrow evening. I know last week um, some, some guys got an opportunity to, to uh, get healed up a little bit. What's the, uh, what's the health situation for the Tigers? I think Auburn's about as healthy as they've been since the beginning of the season started. You know, obviously when you're going into to game 11 in week 12, everybody's kind of beat up a little bit. But um, as far as getting people back and letting some people rest, I think Auburn's in as good a shape as they've been since the early part of the season and, and probably as good a shape as you could hope for um, this deep in the, into the season. Wow, that, that's uh, that's always good news. Now, I know one thing, I know, I know you've always got your – 
uh, sort of your finger on on the the pulse of some of the numbers. And I know there's some impressive numbers that have been put up by some of the guys. Um, just let let the folks know some of the uh, some of the stats that that uh, that some of the Tigers uh, have have been putting up. I know Clyde, and then the running back. I mean, there's there's been some uh, impressive numbers put up by these guys. Yeah, obviously Clyde Pittman. He's uh, he's he's already set the touchdown. Um, Mark, as far as career touchdown passes, he's closing in on uh, the career reception or the career completion number as well, trying to chase down Bradley Northcutt. Ian Nation has 52 catches on the year. Actually, check that, 54 catches on the year. He's trying to catch the receptions uh, marked set last year by Bakari Daly. If Ian's able to break that number, it's going to be three straight years that uh, Auburn High School has broken that number. Just shows you how kind of the that – Auburn has started to evolve with more of the passing game. Um, Auburn's always been more of a rushing program, but now they're starting to air it out a little bit, and you're seeing the quarterbacks and the receivers take advantage of that. Uh, DV's closing in on a 1,000 yards, which will be back-to-back 1,000 yards years for him at the running back position. Um, and uh, it, it's just been a uh, – and the offense is starting to really click. Um uh, I don't know the last time that I remember an Auburn high school offense averaging close to 400 yards per game, and that's what this that's what this offense is doing. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, that that's not the norm for Auburn high. It's been run the ball, play good defense. Not that they don't do that, but uh, that they're much right. more explosive. It appears. Yeah, and uh, they got they got guys, different guys that they can throw it to. Um, you know, Ian Nation, uh, Auburn scores th- 63 points, and their leading receiver had two catches uh, a week ago. So it just shows you that uh, the other guys out wide have started to step up, uh, Logan Blomeyer and uh, and Jack uh, Hudson uh, in particular. Uh, Scott, we've got about a minute or so for the bottom of the hour break. Love to get your thoughts on basketball as it's getting going as well. Well, you know, we were, uh, we return, uh, about three or four players from last year's team. It's, it's a young team, but, uh, it's a team that's, that's deep, um, much like the university team. We feel like the depth is going to be one of our, our advantages, um, this year. And, uh, we get started off, you know, with a big task. Carver out of Montgomery is always a really good program. Um, they're kind of in a little bit of filling out stage since their head coach left a couple of years ago go to Alabama State so but uh but we know that uh that uh, Carver's going to come in and be deep and they're going to be athletic and uh we're going to have our hands full here tonight if you're in the area you want to come and watch some basketball games go check out GoFan get your tickets come on out to the Auburn High School Gymnasium around 6:45 Sounds great Scott uh again uh, thanks for joining us for a little bit have a great broadcast good luck this evening have a great broadcast tomorrow night Appreciate it feel better Bill uh, I'm, I'm working on it, man. I, I don't feel too bad. It's just uh, I can't do anything with the right arm. Not that I could do much before. Appreciate it, Scott. Again, yep. 30 is the pregame 7 o'clock kick over on uh, Wings 94.3 tomorrow night for Auburn High versus Fairhope. I know we're approaching our bottom of the hour break. Uh, we, we'll open up the phone lines. Love to hear from you. We'll get Justin's thoughts on uh, all the happenings this week. Auburn looking for a new head football coach, a new athletics director in place. We'll get his thoughts on that. We love yours as well as we're about a quarter of the way in here on the Thursday edition of The Drive.
live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Thursday Drive. Bill Carter, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Before we, uh, uh, Justin, before we get uh, get into your thoughts on everything that went down Monday and has happened since football wise, uh, tell everybody what you've got. What's the latest uh, with the Observer and what you've got coming up here in the near future? Yeah, it's been a busy week. If uh, you uh, didn't get to go to the uh, exhibition last night, I got a full breakdown of that with our observations uh, that went up this morning. We're going to do a podcast tonight, Painter and I will, where we'll talk basketball exhibition and the busy week in football. Also look ahead to Mississippi State. Big mailbag tomorrow. A lot of coaching search questions there. You can get all that. You can get, uh, if you subscribe, you get uh, my breakdown of the coaching candidates. Um, you know, kind of the early look at who Auburn could go out and get. Um, ton of stuff uh, this week. Some stuff on John Cohen as well. Uh, AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. It's $6 a month or $60 a year. No better time to subscribe because we've had so much stuff uh, this week. And then everything we do, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast, gets sent to your email inbox so you can read and listen on your own time. And, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really busy week. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a whole lot more stuff here over the next few months. Oh, you're, you're not kidding. Well, let's get back to midday Monday when, when everything just broke loose just before noon. Yep. Release coming out. No mention, Brian Harson's name not mentioned, a rather brief statement, just saying President Roberts had made the decision to uh, go in another direction at head football coach. Uh, I guess it was uh, about two or three hours later, we, uh, we hear of some other changes being made there with the football staff. All of that was done before the announcement, the official announcement of, uh, of John Cohen coming on as the AD, moving over from Mississippi State. Yeah, and, and to me, I mean, I think I think there was a utility to what Auburn did and the way they did it on Monday, but also I felt like it was kind of symbolic. I wrote about this on um, on Monday, the fact that they were the day that they were going to finalize the replacement, the permanent replacement for Alan Green. They do it by getting rid of the biggest move Alan Green made as Auburn's AD, which was hiring Brian Harson. Um, so I thought that was symbolic. But on top of it, there was a good utility of it because you know it would be it would have been tough to bring in John Cohen and have him work with Brian Harson for a month, knowing that he is probably going to fire Brian Harson at the end of that month. Um, and so you get to clean the slate. Uh, it's it's you know Auburn is clean house. You know right at the time where they're about to go into the final month of the season. Uh, the changes they made on the coaching staff, I think, is, you know, obviously Cadillac getting promoted to interim head coach is going to excite the fan base. I think next Saturday night's game is going to be a pretty fun atmosphere, no matter what happens this weekend against Mississippi State because of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was, uh, I was kind of shocked Auburn did it the, at the time that they did it on Monday and how quickly they got it done. Uh, but like I said, I think it makes a lot of sense where it would have been hard to ask John Cohen, to come in and have to deal with a coach at the end of the season um, that a lot of people just knew that it wasn't going to end end well. So uh, they went ahead and, and cleared the decks for him, and and now they you now he gets to come in and immediately get to work on finding who his replacement will be. Yeah, there absolutely would have been some some awkwardness if oh, yeah. if we if you got to a point 
after the Iron Bowl where John Cohen's like, hey, I know I literally basically met you a month ago, but like pack your stuff up and 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 leave. I mean, it's I think the timeline wise, it was kind of a question as the whole AD search kind of shaped out was what is the order of events? You kind of got the feeling that it was going to be an athletic director hire and then a change at uh, at at the football coach uh, position, but I think this makes a lot more sense and saves a lot of awkwardness for your brand new ad- athletic director. And I think Auburn handled it well in terms of uh, not, not not putting John Cohen in a weird spot right off the bat. No, Doctor Doctor Chris Roberts knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean. I can tell you from uh, being in a department where he's been the head of it for years, uh, he's he's very he's very calculated. He does things. There are reasons for how he does things and the times that he does things. And if he doesn't want if he doesn't want anything out about it, there's not going to be anything out about it. And I think that had a lot of people thinking nothing was going on yeah. because there wasn't news coming out. But it really I, I had felt I had felt all along that it would the the best thing for a new athletics director would be for him to have a clean slate. And I really think that Dr. Roberts, as, as they got close to finalizing uh, every detail with John Cohen, he knew that uh, Brian Harson he, he had made the decision that Brian Harson was going to be gone. And, and yep. I, I think if they'd reached a decision earlier then Brian Harson would have been gone earlier. It's just, uh, to go ahead and, and have things to be as neatly tied up as they could. Uh, I don't think you could have done it much better. Folks were wondering why didn't it happen Saturday or Sunday? It's because I think everything wasn't wasn't finalized with John Cohen. But um, I, I, it, it appears now that now there's plenty of time. And John Cohen is has as a seating seated SEC athletics director. You know he has had lists and he has people in mind oh yeah um, but there's but there's got to be a little different list when you're at auburn than when you're at mississippi state because of the resources that you have yeah. opportunities so now this can progress and justin i don't think there should be any problem now in having things set up that as soon as you can after the regular season ends when the when the uh uh horn sounds there at, at bryant denny stadium uh, within 24 to 48 hours, Auburn announcing its new head coach. Yeah, I think it could be done a whole lot quicker, and it should happen a whole lot quicker than it did the last time around. Um, I, you know, there's there's been a thing, Bill, this week that um, I think I think there's so much nationally just with the perception of Auburn and how dysfunctional it is and, and the power structure and all that. I, I think that's become such a well-worn narrative at this point that I think some Auburn fans – are starting to starting to really buy into it ahead of this search, but but <laughs> right. I, but I think I think one thing's very important here to keep in mind. You remember how nasty and how ugly everything got in February with Auburn. Nobody in leadership is there anymore. Like this That's is right. this a is point. a this is a completely clean slate. And I'm not saying it guarantees Auburn's going to get everything they want and everything will be great and they'll live happily ever after. But I'm what I'm saying is is that this is an opportunity for real change and for something to. Um, you know, to, to really happen, and to your point earlier about like nothing really getting out, nothing really leaking uh, up until the very end about the AD search. I mean, I, I think I think a big thing there is that you know uh, J- Roberts going out and getting a guy um, in 
John Cohen to be his AD, a sitting AD in the SEC, uh, and paying them uh, reportedly a good bit more than what uh, Auburn has been paying their ADs. I think to me that's a signal of what we can expect here moving forward for Auburn in this football coaching search, mm-hmm. whereas they're going to be able to step up. And I do think, you know, you had a president a few years ago that wasn't a fit here. You had an AD that ultimately wasn't the best fit here. You had a head coach that wasn't the best fit here. Um, and I think now you're lining it up to the point now where it's like, Auburn experience, or more importantly, SEC experience, I think is going to be something that a lot of people are going to want to point to as a premium uh, in this coach. Not ruling out play- people who don't have that, but I will think that if Auburn's going through their list, the way they've got it set up is that I think they're going to be able to pay top dollar for people who they feel like can come in uh, and, and and immediately get to work in the SEC after a stretch here these last year this last year and a half with a guy who had a fantastic resume in Brian Harson, but ultimately was not the right fit for what Auburn needed. I do think it's fascinating, kind of back to to Bill's point about no, nothing really getting out about the AD search since John Cohen has been announced. You're starting to, I guess hear about communication that took place between Auburn and some of these athletic directors at other Power 5 schools. And it, it certainly seems like Power 5 experience and and even SEC experience were, were huge, uh, I guess, criteria points for for Chris Roberts in this search. And then to, to Justin's point back with uh, needing to get a head coach kind of in in position as soon to the Iron Bowl as possible. In modern college football, like you don't have time to, in my mind at least, to have a prolonged search at the end of the year because you gotta get somebody in place for the transfer portal window. You gotta get somebody in place to to salvage what you can with the early signing period. Other because eighty percent or more sign in that early yep. December signing period. And now you have a window in the transfer portal. And you and you cannot waste that time. That time needs to be used. It needs to be everything every second of that window needs to be used to to better this roster for 2023. And, and Bill, I I want to point out there've been people asking about a timeline and you mentioned getting something very close done after the Iron Bowl. Keep in mind, you don't have to, like, some people will be like, well, if you get something that close, what about coaches that are already, you know, coaching right now and trying to swing for the fences? Let's keep in mind something. Last year, I went and looked it up today. Last year, Lincoln Riley was was hired from Oklahoma to USC on November 28th. Uh, Brian Kelly went from Notre Dame to LSU on November 30th. This absolutely can't get done very quickly after the dust settles on Saturday. Lincoln coached in Bedlam the night before and then was being asked about LSU, and he was able to deny that. And then the next morning, there he is going yeah. to uh, can, L.A. You can swing heavy without having to wait a, mm-hmm. a wait wait for you know somebody to figure it out. You're right about that, and I think Auburn is better positioned than I can ever recall ever recall mm-hmm. to make a big big time hire. I mean, because um, a couple of things I can tell you about Dr. Roberts, uh, he is he's very competitive. Boy, he 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 plays to win, and he is very very interested in marketing selling uh whether it was the you know the part the college of engineering but now it's auburn university and he knows that athletics sells and and he's also been very good at bringing people who 
maybe haven't always been on the same page together yeah. for the big picture. And if he can do that, and I believe he is, is that's what he's been working at, then I think Auburn can take a shot at anybody. There's nobody that, that they can't check on. There's nobody that you think, well, there's no sense in us asking or checking with this person or that person. So uh, I think it's realistic right now when you're hearing some of these names, there are a lot of people go, oh, there's no way they'd go to Auburn because of the misfits that that, uh, that that have been down there. Yes, that's the truth. That's the way things have been. But uh, I think I think a lot of other places uh, will be a little concerned if Auburn is pulling together at what they can get, who they can get, and what they can do. And, and I would also add on top of that, you, you can – you can swing heavy um, and go and go for a, for a big time candidate uh, here at Auburn because I think you're in a position where you've got people in charge who can do that. Like that, I think that's going to be the focus. There's to me, this is not a situation like it was last time where you're like, "Are we sure if we need to fire this head coach?" Okay, well, and then some people say this guy's automatically got to be the replacement, and then it just gets messy and drawn out. You don't have that this time around. And also, the one thing I think people aren't thinking about as much, at least from a national perspective about this hire, this is the first time Auburn's making a big hire in the age where ESPN is giving the SEC so much money. We saw it last year. There were rumors and words of of, of um, LSU having bad finances in their athletic department, and they got dadgums Notre Dame's coach out of all this. So, you know, I, Auburn is going to be in a position, I think, like I said, I mean, if, if the reports out of Arkansas were true and they offered a ton of money for Hunter Juracek to be there, to, yeah, to be there, if that's true, or even in that ballpark, what is that going to tell you about how much Auburn might be willing to pay a head football coach this time around? Uh, you're absolutely right about that. I, I know we need to get to our final break. want to get your thoughts on John Cohen. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you've written something about him. Get your thoughts on that. Then we'll get into some coaching candidates and more. Hey, we'd love for you to join in on the Kia of Auburn Hotline, 334-321-1390, as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Thursday Drive. Final few minutes here of hour number one. Bill? We've got uh, Carter and Justin in the studio, Drew at the controls, and you. Jo- we'd love for you to join in, too. Give us your thoughts on anything going on in the world of sports, man. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, because of everything that's been going on with the Auburn Athletics program, it's almost uh, sort of uh, taken away some of the other things going on. Had a no-hitter in the World Series last night, mm-hmm. for goodness sake. The day after the Phillies tie a major league record with five homers in a game. So that series tied at two games apiece. We've got game five. Coming up on ESPN 106.7 tonight, um, but but yeah, we were talking. Uh, Justin wanted to get your thoughts on on John Cohen. Uh, uh, you know, a name that really wasn't being talked about no. as a as a possibility for the Auburn AD job. There were a couple of other names out there. I think those names were out there because those folks let their names mm-hmm. be out there. But uh, John Cohen, we started hearing about it Saturday. Uh, I guess. Pre-game, yep. Before the uh, of the ball game, and then it, uh, uh, you know, there was wonder was that just speculation? But then, you know, it, it just appeared to it was a matter of time, and finally, 
announced, uh, I guess, late afternoon on Monday. But but what what have you? Uh, what what are your thoughts on John Cohen and? and how he would uh, fit at Auburn. I think this is a really interesting hire for a number of, way, a number of reasons at Auburn. Um, just because he has SEC experience, you're getting somebody who has done this job for several years, and now you're putting him in a spot where he's going to have more resources, he's going to have you know uh, a lot more uh, NIL. I know it was a huge thing for, for Mississippi State um, and what he was trying to kind of get going. But, um, yeah, John Cohen is a very interesting character because he was not a guy who's been in administration for very long. Um, you know, or at least he was, a, he was a baseball coach and he steps up into this role. And I mean, Bill, you, you, I mean, you obviously would know a lot more about the history of these teams than I do, but I, I'm, I'm going to say in my lifetime, which, you know, I'm almost 30. In my lifetime, it feels like Mississippi State under John Cohen these last few years has been a more well-rounded athletic department than any time I can remember, where it's not just they're a baseball school, or it's not just, hey, they may have some good, they might have a good run at a time when football, I mean, in football or basketball or something like that. It feels like they've really tried to become kind of like what Auburn has really portrayed themselves as being in the last few years, is trying to become more of an everything school. And I'm going to Starkville on Saturday, but I can tell you, I went there last year, or I'm sorry, I went there earlier this year for basketball, and I've been there a couple times, you know, under Cohen's watch. The amount of transformation that's happened on that campus in the form of facilities, I think, is something that is huge. Uh, They've been able to get the ball rolling where, you know, Starkville, Starkville, Mississippi State's Mississippi State, but, I mean, they they have used their money and their resources really well, I think. Um, And so uh, I think a place like Auburn is where you can just take a step up even further. And obviously the connections and the familiarity with a guy like Butch Thompson, um, it sounds like Bruce Pearl really, really thinks highly of Cohen as well, mm-hmm. and just some other connections they have on campus. I think could only help. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's what would excite me as if I were an Auburn fan, just looking at what he has built facilities wise. I mean, you look at what they've done with Duty Noble, the baseball stadium there. That thing is that, like a major league baseball park. Yeah, it, it's it's the most insane thing I've ever. I mean, seen. it's what they've built there has been really impressive. I think that that. If if John Cohen can come to Auburn and do something similar, uh, even with like Plainsman Park, I mean, we know Plainsman Park has been getting some some things done to it here recently, and then we know that Bruce Pearl wants his basketball only f- facility, and that's yep. going to come down the road. I think if, Jordan, if, Hare, Jordan Hare desperately needs some oh, upgrades, yes. very um, very much so. I mean, it's encouraging to know that he has a track record of building things, and and that he should be able to bring that to a place that has more more resources. Yeah, he he has a uh, he has a record of uh, getting the funds together to build, and that's something that there are more resources available here at Auburn than there are at Mississippi State. I'll say this though, and uh, I didn't realize it. I mean, I, I'd known of John uh, because of his success as a, the baseball coach at Kentucky and then Mississippi State before he was the AD, but apparently. He had been groomed by Greg Byrne and Scott Strickland yep. uh, while they were the ADs there. He was moved into administration as well as being the baseball coach yep. and was involved in some of their hires. So uh, that's a couple of pretty good guys to have taken under taken him under their wings. Of course, Greg is now the AD at Alabama and Scott's 
uh, left his alma mater to go to the University of Florida. And, uh, yeah, I think State's becoming kind of the cradle of ADs, like how every you know football coach has been to Kent State at some point. Um, it feels like every AD in the SEC has spent some time at Mississippi State at one time or another. Um, yeah, no, I... I, I I think he's definitely like there are people who question the fact that you know he was a baseball coach and and, and all that, but um, I mean I think the I think the uh, track record speaks for itself. I will say this though because people and I know we're coming on a break, but like mixed bag in terms of your big hires. But I mean as I, as somebody was I, I talked to this week saying pretty much every AD who's been around for a while is is kind of a mixed bag when it comes to hires. Go look at Jeremy Foley's track record at Florida and everybody thinks he's like one of the best to ever do it. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a really good move ultimately for Auburn and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he what he does here. Yeah, and, and, and you're also uh, limited in some places as to who you can hire. We will step aside our top of the hour break. David Pascal joins us from Chattanooga on the other side. Stick with us. We're halfway done here on the Thursday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown. Game 5 of the World Series tonight in Philadelphia. The series tied at 2. Noah Syndergaard pitches for the Phillies and Justin Verlander for the Astros. Verlander has given up 12 runs in 15 innings in these playoffs. ESPN's Jessica Mendoza. When I look at Justin Verlander and the success that he needs to have is by utilizing his fastball. He was good the first few innings against the Phillies back in game one, but then being able to get to that fastball and said he went away from it. He started going to the breaking ball. He started doubting himself. Jess Mendoza. Game five coverage starts at 7 Eastern here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The White Sox named Pedro Grifol the team's new manager to take over from Hall of Famer Tony La Russa. Grifol spent the last 10 years with the Royals, most recently as bench coach. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver plans to meet with Nets guard Kyrie Irving within the next week to talk about Irving's social media posts regarding an anti-Semitic book and movie. Irving says today he takes responsibility for the post, but also says he didn't make the movie. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in to hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on this third day of November. Man, it's hard to believe it's already November 3rd. Uh, Bill from the home studio. Dan has uh, some duties tonight with the uh, Troy Women's Basketball Program. We've got uh, Carter Bird in the studio. Justin Ferguson, our regular Thursday uh, co-host slash 
uh, special guest is in the studio as well, Drew at the controls. And we will get to the Kia of Auburn hotline and welcome in our regular Thursday guest here in the 5 o'clock hour momentarily. Uh, but first of all, let's let you know that hour number two of the Thursday drive, as is the case every day, uh, it brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care. And I've gone to them quite a bit here recently. They've done a great job trying to put me back together. Um, but the Orthopedic Clinic with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we'll get to your calls in a little while. But first, we're going to get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And we're going to welcome in our regular Thursday afternoon guest. And that is David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga, where he just wrapped up uh, his show Press Row uh, uh, just a few minutes ago as we welcome him in on what has been a crazy week down here on the plains. David, how are you doing? Bill, I'm doing marvelous. Hope you are. Yeah, well, I had uh, I had a little shoulder surgery on Monday. I came out of anesthesia just in time to get the email from Auburn that there was a coaching change, and it's been it's been that kind of week, uh, a a wild one down here with a, a new AD and the process of looking for a head coach. Just your thoughts on the news that came out of Auburn that broke from Auburn on on Monday, David? Well, and it's funny because if you go back to the very start. I mean, I always thought it was one of the oddest things in more than 30 years of doing what I do. The fact that they introduced Brian Harson on a Christmas Eve afternoon, I thought that was one of the strangest <laughs> things ever. Yeah. Why do you have a news conference on a Christmas? I had already gone to the Christmas Eve service with my family. I was in, like, full Christmas mode. Uh, and then you hop on this Zoom call. But, um, you know, I, I've been very outspoken on this show about I, I just thought it was absolutely ridiculous you know, the the way that whole went down, you know, with, with Malzahn and not having anybody lined up. You had this faction that wanted Kevin Steele. But, I mean, that wasn't going to get you anywhere as a head coach. And so, you know, the, the Harson and we probably haven't talked about this enough, but, I mean, it's just one of those things because, I well, we haven't talked about it enough because probably people, you know, as far as what you and I do with for a living and stuff like that. But but Brian Harson was just on, on news conferences was just a nightmare. I mean, he would just go on and on and wouldn't really ever say anything. And so I know, I know it got frustrating for the, my cohorts that cover Auburn because, you know, I know after the game the other day, he got to the, what, the press conference at like an hour and 40 minutes later and then, the, and then did the Auburn radio show after that. I mean, these are people that have jobs that want to go home too. Um, so I mean, it, I don't know, just a weird fit all the way around. The program wasn't getting any better. I've, I've said it before. I just think Auburn is, is in a very difficult position right now. You got BAM at its height. You've got Georgia at its height. And, and, and you've got some other programs that, uh, have gained a lot of ground. I mean, say what you want about Malzahn. He wasn't perfect, but the guy beat Arkansas his last five years. He beat Ole Miss his last five years. I mean, he took care of the teams, a lot of the teams. Uh, that you need to take care of, and then you got to mix it up with the Alabamas, Georgias, and the LSUs of the world. And I know he didn't have a great record against Georgia, but you just kind of wake up and smell the coffee now, and you're like, who does have a good record right now against Georgia? So I don't know. Um, it's just it is a mess. I, I, you know, when you hear Bill the stuff about splash hire, and and you know your Auburn history too, and it's just like, 
Auburn has never made a splash hire. Their their hires have come from Wyoming and from Samford and you know a, a downtrodden old Miss that, that was on probation and you know and so I I just I get curious when I hear people say yeah Auburn's got to make a splash hire and I'm like in my lifetime I don't think they've ever made a splash hire. Well, they haven't they haven't in mind either, and I'm a little older than you are. But one of the things we were talking about here, David, is I, I sense a difference. You talked about some of the uh, just just how how Auburn has not been together. I mean, things just didn't make sense. The the hiring. I mean, hey, I, how bizarre is it? Yeah, Brian Harson hired on Christmas Eve. He's fired on Halloween. Um, but but the difference. One of the big differences here is I sense a difference in the leadership at Auburn from the president's office, Doctor Roberts. I, I know him to a point because he was the head of the department that I've been in for the last 20 plus years. And he is someone who has been very adept at getting people who think differently to work together. And he's very calculated uh, with what he does and the timing of what he does. And I think making the announcement that there is a change at the football coach before the announcement of the new athletics director, who was someone that, boy, people have been speculating some different names, but John Cohen's name hadn't been mentioned until we heard about it Saturday during the ball game. Then it was finalized Monday. I just sense that if, if Chris Roberts has the, the people who have been called meddlers, but the powers, if, if he has them on the same page, then, then there is more than a possibility that Auburn could at least, you know, take a swing at some big splash hires. Yeah, I mean, they, and and they can always you can always take swings. I mean, if if you had told me this time last year that Brian Kelly was going to be LSU's coach, I mean, uh, because LSU swung and missed uh, before that and, and wound up just hiring Orgeron, who they already had. Um, yeah, I, it's just, I, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I mean, I, you gotta, I loved my time at Auburn, and it's just one of those things. I just I, I just think it is a very difficult job right now. I, I, they're, they're, the success and the history is absolutely there. Um, it's just getting everybody on the same page. And like mm-hmm. I said, you fired a coach that was winning two-thirds of his games and beat Nick Saban three times in eight tries and, and, uh, you know, fired him and then brought in a guy who was worse and gave him 21 games and canned him. And, uh, so it's just a very, from the outside, I could say it's just a very volatile situation. And yeah, from the administration all the way down to Cohen all the way down now, I mean, they've got to get on the same page and, 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 and determine the pecking order of how this is going to work and, and, and who, who people are going to look to and how this is going to be conducted as far as the search. David, you're you uh, you're familiar with John Cohen. I mean, he's been around the SEC for a long time. Very successful uh, baseball coach at Kentucky and Mississippi State before being the AD. What were your thoughts when uh, when when you heard that that he would be the next AD at Auburn? You know, I think it's a good. I think it's a good one. Um, you know, it's funny because you know living up here in Tennessee and 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 being uh, you know covering a lot of Tennessee right now. That is kind of being viewed right now as your definition of a home run hire as an athletic director. I mean, it's just amazing to think about how Tennessee five years ago, Rick Barnes was trying to build a program and was going 500 early on. Tennessee's baseball, as you know, 
has been at the bottom of the SEC for like 15 years until the last three or four. Uh, right. And then the football program had bottomed out over, under Butch Jones. But, uh, you know, and, and, and some of this was already starting to improve when Danny White got there. But the whole, the whole Danny White hire of Josh Heifel, I'm the first one to admit that I was like, well, this, this just kind of seems convenient. You get an athletic director that comes out from UCF and winds up taking his football coach from UCF. But now they're number one in the college football playoff rankings. But, um, you know, I think, I think Cohen is a, is a solid, should be a solid hire. I mean, you think about, I never understood why, uh, cause you've seen it. I mean, there was the, there was back in the day, uh, everybody who was an athlete, it was kind of the, it was the Pat Dye era. You were a, you were a football coach and the athletic director. Um, and then a lot of times you became a, a Vince Dooley where you're the football coach and became an athletic director later. Um, you know, you had those situations, and then there was just kind of that wave in the last 10 or 15 years to go to the financial guy and get away from the sports guy. And so I'm glad to see that, that, that there's still, there can still be a blend, that there doesn't have to be a right or a wrong hire for an athletic director. You can have both backgrounds. It can be in finance. It can be in sports. Now it seems like uh, just find somebody who's been at Mississippi State with Greg Burns, Scott Strickland, and John Cohen at three different SEC schools. <laughs> I know, and if, uh, if, uh, yeah, of course, I guess Scott's had some ups and downs down in, in Gainesville, but, uh, but yes, I think, I think if it goes as well with football as, uh, as across the state with Alabama, then, uh, then nobody's going to complain about going. Yeah, no kidding. Talking with David Pascal from the uh, Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga, a couple of huge ball games coming up this week. I mean, um, you're going to determine, the SEC East will will know the SEC East champer should this week and go a long way. Um, well, we'll 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 eliminate one in the SEC West is what will happen this week. I mean, a couple of huge ball games with Tennessee at Georgia and Alabama at LSU. No doubt, and I, and I'll be down in Athens, and and I, I I think this game got an extra a dose of intrigue when those college football playoff rankings came out the other day because all season long you've had writers and coaches pretty much in agreement that, that Georgia is the best team, especially early on after that Oregon performance. I know they passed up Alabama uh, and became number one. So you've got these writers and, and coaches in agreement, but they come out third the other day in the rankings. And, Bill, what's different about this year is if you go back to Georgia in 18 and 19, you know, in 18 um, they lost at LSU, and in 19 they lost at home to South Carolina. And in each of those instances, they still got to play in the SEC championship with a chance to uh, punch their ticket to the playoff. They didn't in either one. They lost to Bama in 18 and LSU in 19, but they had that chance. If they lose Saturday, they don't have that chance. And, and, and an 11-1 and Georgia, which has just been so dominant at the top of the, like I said, the two main polls, uh, there's a scenario where – you know, if Tennessee gets in and, and, and Clemson and, and Ohio State and a undefeated TCU or something like that, I mean, who knows? I mean, but Georgia is suddenly on a little bit of shaky ground, which is kind of weird to think of. I mean, I just think it's weird to kind of think, Bill, that this could be a classic, but I'm, I'm, I don't see either team blowing the other one out. And it would just be so weird to have Tennessee involved in just two. I mean, you had it with Auburn. You had it with Auburn in 2013 with the president, right. Jordan Hare, and, and then the kick six. And, and that was, I think, two weeks apart, if, if memory serves. Um, but, it, but you could have in a three-week stretch an Alabama game 
uh, like you had, and then an epic game against Georgia. So I kind of like Georgia. I, li- I like it uh, getting up there a little bit, uh, not, not too out of this world, but I picked it 37-34. I love Tennessee in the eight and eight and a half. I do love oh, that. Oh, yes. Uh, but I do, I do just think, and, and Bill, there's a stat up here. We're in the state of Tennessee. I think 98% of the money is on Tennessee plus the eight in, the, in Tennessee, according to BetMGM. Uh- yeah, that that just yeah that does. It seems ridiculous that it's that much. I mean, you've got a team there. Yeah, there's the number one team in the college football rankings, and they're eight and a half point underdogs uh, on the road this week. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I sort of sort of like Georgia straight up, but that's an awful lot of points. I agree. I, I just think um, God, there's just so many factors. You hate to be like cliche and talk about like the offensive line, but I, I do think the offensive line from Tennessee standpoint becomes huge because. Uh, as far as tr- trying to attack an offensive line, because you know people are talking about how much better Tennessee's defense is from a year ago when they were just brutally bad. Uh, you know, you had the great performance in Baton Rouge, and you had the really dominant performance the other night against Kentucky. But uh, LSU was banged up and lost the Dellinger kid about 48 hours before that game, and uh, so they were beat up and had to play a couple of reserves in that game. And, and Kentucky's just not. Uh, you know, Kentucky's had a pretty decent offensive line the last couple of years, but this year uh, they've lost a lot, and, and they're just not very good. So I think Tennessee was able to attack a couple of really mediocre offensive lines, and of course, Georgia's offensive line is just fantastic this year. I mean, they're, they're not averaging 430 yards by accident, so I really do think that's just a monster matchup to watch there. Can Tennessee, you know, pre- keep pressuring teams the way they've been uh, against such a good offensive line with Georgia? And then the the LSU Alabama game, uh, Alabama, a, a you know a two score favorite in that ball game. But if LSU is able to pull off the winning Baton Rouge, Alabama's out. I know, and it's a, it's a weird way to think of it. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I guess you'd have what L, uh, you'd have LSU and Ole Miss with LSU holding the tiebreaker there because Alabama's got to go to Oxford next week. Um, but yeah, I did, you know it's it's weird. You hate to just rely on history. But, you know, as you know, Alabama historically goes down to Baton Rouge and plays very well. I think they've, you know, they've allowed like an average of nine and a half points uh, in their last five trips to Baton Rouge. Of course, that was, you know, you've got Jaden Daniels who's gotten very, very hot. Um, I feel like Alabama in this game just because I, I, it's just hard to imagine a team that I thought, I just thought in the preseason that Alabama had so few holes. Uh, on that roster and and to to think that they could you know just be out of it the first Saturday in November is wild so I like Alabama I'd be shocked if Alabama blew them out because I just think LSU has just gone traveled leaps and bounds uh in October under Kelly especially since that Tennessee debacle um but yeah it's hard to pick against Alabama in this one it really is for me Oh, well, it's hard to pick them to uh, expect to lose their second regular season game. I tell you what, though, they need Bryce to be the Bryce that we saw, you know, coming back against Tennessee and not the not the Bryce we saw against Mississippi State. Uh, very true. Very true. And you know what? It's funny because we talk about we talk about Georgia, Tennessee, and we talk about uh, Bama, LSU. And, and, and those are just it's such an incredible doubleheader. But I don't know about you, but I mean, it just kind of sucks the life out of the rest of a lot of the rest of the matchups. I mean, I think there could be some good games. It's just that you've just got so much attention on Georgia, Tennessee, and Bama LSU. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Auburn fans are probably going to pay a little more attention to the Mississippi State game just to see how the team plays under Cadillac. I, 
I still think State wins, but uh, I don't know that uh, I don't know that it's beyond uh, beyond the realm of possibility that Auburn covers that double digit line. Yeah, I don't know. I think if uh, yeah, those things kind of work both ways. Sometimes you rally, and sometimes it's like it's it's the end of the line, and everybody knows it. Um, uh, you know, I can't get last year's outcome out of my head, especially that oh. second half. So uh, you know, it's one of those that I don't know. Maybe that line is kind of good. I, I think that is kind of a I could see definitely see State winning in kind of that two touchdown neighborhood. Although uh, I know they had the open date, but my goodness, they they the last two games before the open date, offensively they were the redful. Well, Auburn sure hopes that's the case because they haven't been that good defensively. Um, right. So, David, it's uh, great stuff. I mean, it is a fun time. I mean, uh, there's there's uh, we're, we're having we're having a, a wild time now. Just speculating and and following trying to figure out what's going on so uh, uh we really appreciate you always appreciate you spending a little time with us let everybody know how they can keep up with everything that you're doing yeah timesfreepress.com and espnchadduga.com and bill real quick you do bring up a heck of a point because like if someone like me i'll be at the i'll be at the georgia tennessee game uh a lot of interest in alabama lsu that night obviously auburn's alma mater they're playing mississippi state and the, and you've got miami fsu one of the great rivalries of the last 25 years they're playing saturday i mean the saturday night alone is a great channel flipping situation hey it's a great way to start in november no doubt that 80 degree weather right <laughs> oh yeah you're right david thanks again man great uh have a great weekend we'll talk to you again next week that sounds great bill you do the same David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, ESPN Chattanooga, joining us as he does every Thursday. We'll get to our first break. Hey, we'll open up the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. Love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, we'll uh, get some thoughts from Justin as to some uh, possible um, you know, names in the football coaching search and much more. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. No Dan, so it's Bill, and we've got Carter and Justin in. Hey, it takes a couple of guys to fill those shoes. Seriously, have you ever seen Dan's feet? I'm serious. It's about, uh, it's about, about to say he's a, he's a large gentleman. It takes <laughs> it it takes it takes uh, me and Carter to 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 fill in for him. I don't I don't know that there's anybody on the basketball team that that uh, wears bigger shoes than Dan Peck. I'm that serious. Would be a great question. Uh, let's let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline three three four three two one thirteen ninety and Allen gets us started. Hey, Allen. Uh, even guys, um, Bill. I know you and Dan have discussed this coach ad nauseum over the past month, but refresh my memory: why or why not Urban Meyer? Uh, the, the biggest why not is you just wonder, is the fire still there in the belly? Is uh, How long is he going to stick? How long would he stick with it if he took the job? And you wonder about the fit. I mean, that's one of the things we've talked about. Now, there's no question, nobody checks all the boxes he does. He's got three championship rings. Yeah. I mean, he, 
he he can recruit, he can win in this league, he can recruit and win in any league in college football. It's just, you know, does he really want to do it? Does he have that fire and will he stick with it for more than, you know, a year or two? That's that's probably the biggest concern in my mind. Justin, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I think I think Urban is is such an interesting case because, you know, they win the national title at Ohio State in twenty fourteen. They only go to the playoff once more after that, and they get blanked that year. He goes the, he he quits, you know, he retires due to medical reasons. Then he goes to the NFL and it was such a disastrous fit there. He's got some baggage and some controversies that follow him along, but you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily as big of a deal. It's just like, yeah, I I agree with Bill. It's just like you do wonder if the fire's still there with if 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 he's still firing on all cylinders as one of the best to ever coach college football. Um I, I'm very interested because you know, when when Nebraska came open, that was the one everybody linked to immediately. And I have found it interesting that since the other jobs that have popped up, Wisconsin Georgia Tech, but now Auburn, you haven't really heard Urban's name as much, which makes me wonder if he's a guy that's going to get back into the game uh, this quickly, or he might he might just be done coaching and uh, getting paid a ton of money to to talk about football on TV, which is what he's currently doing. Yeah, and I think okay. that there's there's not many people out there that I guess could could take a uh, there's not any people out there that can walk into a uh, living room in theory with three national championship rings. And so that is the big plus. But I do think, I mean, he is, he's not exactly a uh, spring chicken. I think he's, what, 57? Yeah, and he's retired twice. Mm-hmm. He stepped away twice because of health reasons in the past. So the longevity, mm-hmm. you would have to kind of worry about that kind of for, for the big picture. I mean, in terms, for me, in terms of just sheer football coach qualifications, to me, he's at the top. And, yeah. I, oh, and I know, no question. I know no he's got a lot of other issues but okay all right thanks hey and interestingly did you guys see uh, i saw a couple of things from nebraska today where uh apparently uh, quite a few folks feel like they're very close to announcing matt rule as their next coach yeah so a couple of days uh, the last couple of days i have heard i have heard that the matt rule to auburn thing has calmed down almost completely mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's because they're feeling like and i think I think that's a good fit. I don't. I did not think Matt Rule was a good fit at Auburn. I think I he. Very, I, I think he is going to be a much better fit at Nebraska. That is a place where we'll see how the Big Ten shakes out in the future with the additions of USC and UCLA. But we do know in the Big Ten West, specifically the way that conference is sorted out by right now, if you can come in and be the guy to be the turnaround guy, which he has, which he was at Temple and at Baylor, that to me feels like you can succeed a lot more there quickly right off the bat then compared to a place like auburn where you are surrounded by some of the biggest killers in recruiting and there's just no proof that rule's been able to i'm not saying he can't but i'm just saying like that was that was he felt like a much better fit to me uh at at nebraska and um i mean if that's the move that is it's it's going in a completely different direction than scott frost for sure but i think it might be a really good one well rule what what i find interesting about him is when you look at it kind of geographically the closest he's been to the SEC or the Southeast really is what Baylor and Western Carolina as like a yeah. position Panthers. coach. Yeah, the Panthers, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and coaching that's, and that's coaching fair. the Panthers. Yeah, he did a really good job at Baylor of turning that around. I know a lot of people give him a lot of credit for finding the right coaches there. Joey McGuire being the big one, who's now at Texas Tech. Um, but yeah, I just I think you know we talked about it a little bit earlier when you think of what Auburn could be doing next with their football coach move. I think SEC experience, or at least being able to get the dudes down here, I think is going to be a top priority. 
And so that's why a rule never made a ton of sense for me, but he makes a whole lot better sense in Nebraska. Yeah, I agree. Terry, Spectre, hang on. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. You'll be the first two when we come back for the last half hour of the Thursday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final 25 minutes or so here on the Thursday Drive. Bill Carter and Justin Ferguson with Drew at the Controls. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. Terry, thanks for hanging on. Sure, guys. How you all doing today? I'm doing better, man. Good, Bill. Good to hear, man. Bill, did you see where Ray Guy passed away today? Yeah, that's awful. I mean, 72. The best punter. I mean, he was a great athlete at Southern Miss, too. I mean, I remember seeing him running around, making a couple of passes. Uh, Had the best extension, I think, of any punter I've ever seen. And just to give Carter and Justin an idea, they're probably too young to remember, but this is the punter drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first punter ever, ever was. And, and he was worth every penny of that. He was all pro just about every year he played. Yeah, he had one blo- one punt blocked in his career, and that guy was offsides. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do, does it, are we all in agreement that the people you feel sorry for the most are these guys that came back for their, their extra year at Auburn? Yes, 100%. I mean, because now you're in a point where, I mean, the season, it was always going to be tough. This season was always going to be tough, and it was going to take a lot for Auburn to be successful. But you get to a point where, I mean, a lot of these guys, Bill, I know we've talked about it. A lot of these guys came back and said, hey, I believe in Brian Harson. I believe in this right. staff. And now half of them are gone at this point, and, and, and the head coach is gone. But, yeah. You know, a lot of people this week for Auburn, obviously, were a lot of Auburn fans were happy. I mean, point blank that that brian harson was no longer their coach and they get to kind of have the excitement of a coaching search and the future of what's next um but in situations like these yeah it's really tough on players well, it's i mean really, i really really tough on those guys i even think about a guy like tank bigsby who has really bet on auburn three times now coming out of high school and then after each of his years i mean he would be able to leave and auburn has failed to address the the offensive line effectively and I feel bad for a guy like that that just it doesn't feel like he he he's been getting the the help that his talent deserves. And he's from Atlanta, right, Carter? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, could have went to Georgia. Could probably could have went everywhere he wanted. Oh, Georgia uh, really wanted him several times. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> are we at the point now that you guys think if it's not a splash hire, it's a disappointment? Because I think it might be. So this is a, so this is a question that I know Dan and I have been talking about here recently. Um, 
I do think there will be a degree of disappointment if it is not a big name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think somebody who is not a big name can definitely succeed at Auburn, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I I feel like the reaction would be very similar to like the Gene Chizik hire, maybe even to extent the Gus Malzahn hire. I would point out though, um, think about how many people were clowning. Tennessee's higher of Josh Heupel. Now they're number one in the country in year two. So it's like you can be successful without being a splash. But, yes, I think the way things are being talked about and the way things are being prepped right now for Auburn, I I do think there there will be a disappointment. And it will be on that coach, whoever that is, to really hit some home runs with his assistant coaching staff, with his recruiting early on the bat. Not not necessarily to guarantee him success moving forward, but maybe just to get a little bit more excitement back on on his side. And the overall direction of the program in a very positive manner. Got, I mean, you can accept progress if you see it, but you can't accept mm-hmm. you know, six and six every year. So. Exactly. No, no, and, the, and, and Justin's right, though. The, the first thing you could do if, it, if it's not a splash hire is to have some uh, very well-known, very well-thought-of assistants who can help you make a splash in recruiting, mm-hmm. which is going to be coming up two and a half weeks, I would think, after the coach is named. Well, and then that and just NIL. I mean, and, and Auburn with the, the $13 million war chest, which I do find it fascinating that since since the news of Brian Harson uh, being fired on Monday, the, the supposedly the website traffic and donations to On to Victory have, have skyrocketed. Uh, but you, So you have that. I think with the war chest there and hiring good assistants, I think just about any of the names you've seen can figure out a way to succeed in this job. For sure. Right. But, Terry, okay, I, guys, do, take care. I, I, I do think they're not going to give up easily going after a big name or two. Not at all. Not at all. And I think I think there are a couple of names that you make him say no. At least one I can think of where you make him say no several <laughs> times before yeah, you move I, on. I would, I would say the top two, I would say Lane Kiffin and Deion Sanders, you 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 keep going. You keep going you to those keep guys. Keep plugging away. I uh, I just I want to see a Lane Kiffin pine box quote so badly. No, just, you know, I, you I know want that so badly. That, yeah, Lane's not going to say that. Lane's going. Lane will say a lot of things, but he's not going to say that because he knows better than to say that. Hey, I'll tell you guys and and Specter, hang on. I'm going to get to here in just a second. But I, I wanted to mention this because I was talking with the guys on the uh, the roundtable today. And uh, yesterday we had a caller who mentioned that he was around a lot of the guys from the 72 team uh, this past Saturday and was surprised at how many of them wanted Deion Sanders. And then I, we had Scott Bagwell on, of course, in the first hour. And, and Rob Pate does color for Scott on, on Auburn High, does mm-hmm. a great job. Yeah. I heard Rob, heard Rob earlier today asked who his top three candidates were. You know who he said? He said, number one, Deion Sanders. Number two, primetime. Number three, Neon Deion. three. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so you're hearing former Auburn players from a couple of different generations saying that Deion Sanders is who they think would be the biggest splash hire, would be the guy that could really get things uh, kick-started. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I wrote it earlier this week, and I still agree. I think Deion would be the ultimate gamble that a, that a coaching staff – that a, that a uh, team could make with their coaching hire. If it hits, it's going to hit oh my so big. But there's a lot of risk involved and a lot of questions. A lot of questions involved just because he has not been. I'm not talking about sure. a head coach. He hasn't been a college coach for very no, that's long. Right, but just for a couple of years. But uh, I think that even even if things didn't go well on the field. There would be more talent available for for the next guy coming in. <laughs> that's a good point. I'm. I mean, honestly, in four years of Deion Sanders, there might be more talent 
on the roster just stars wise and and oh, where, yeah. where where they're ranked and have been on the roster at any point in Auburn's history and yeah. and to to your point Bill I mean I've heard Ben Leard I've heard him talk about how exciting of an idea it would be to bring in uh Deion Sanders I mean all all of those uh you're starting to hear more and more former players talk about how Dion would be an interesting hire and a and a at very least fun hire. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it'll be the biggest splash whenever he goes to a Power Five school. If he does, it'll be the biggest splash there's ever been in college football as far as a hire. Yeah, it's just it's, it's yeah, it's huge. Hey, Specter, you still there? Well, I'm banging on for two more seconds. We'll hang up. Uh, well, but, we yeah, I heard, okay, I heard you guys talking last segment about Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Are you guys kidding me? Show him the money, and that'll kindle that fire in that belly. What do you think Bama did when Saban was coming from Miami? They showed him the money. Yeah, I... I, uh, I, I, now, I, I Deion, hold on a minute. It's yeah, yeah. go ahead. I'll, as far as Deion Sanders goes, Urban Meyer ain't but two years older than... The Deion Sanders. You're exactly right about that. I was going to mention that too, Specter. Yeah, so uh, ain't no age problem here. Urban Meyer would be an excellent fit. He, he's he's made his mark against Saban. He's got the championships to back it up. And show him the money. Uh, uh, Auburn's Auburn got the money to show him. If, that, if that's yeah, what they want. Absolutely. Uh, I had other things to talk about. Have I got time? Yeah. Bill, I cannot believe what I heard yesterday. What's that? What, that that uh, Will Friend had recruits lined up to be signed, and our head coach said no. Hey, I can tell you, I can I can give you a little more details on one of those because a good friend of mine is over in Demopolis, and he had told me this a year ago that uh, Will Friend had begged and begged Coach Harson to go over and see. The player, I believe his name's Curtis Pigler, um, Pigler, and uh, when when Coach Harson did, he said, "Well, he's he's not six six. The kid is six five, three forty, uh, and he's now in Missouri playing." But Coach Harson also told the coach there at Demopolis, uh, they were talking about he he asked what kind of offense they run, and the coach said, uh, "Well, we run the shotgun spread." And Coach Harson said uh, that that's that's not the kind of offense you ought to be running and sort of put the guy down for the offense they were running in high school. Well, you know, that just burns me up. He should have been, he should have been fired the same time Alan Green left. And let that well, Cadillac take over the back then. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, I, they're, they're, you know, you had to have somebody who can make that kind of decision and knows that kind of thing. I don't know that Dr. Roberts knew all of what was going on at that time. You know, these reporters, or when I say reporters, they, they, these guys that work in the Auburn media, like Brian Matthews and the rest of them, they got to be more assertive. They got to get out there and beat these drums. If they find something that's going wrong here, they got to be. It's got to be told. Well, let me let me that's tell you. Those, let me tell you, Specter. There have been a couple of times when uh, when when and 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 I'm when Brian or Jason or you know or I, if we say something like that, then the people who are really felt that Brian Harson was getting uh, getting the short end of the stick and wasn't being treated fairly, didn't want to hear it. 
you just get nothing but negative backlash about, well, you're just trying to take down the coach like those other people were back in February. So that's the, well, that's the problem that you have to deal with. You know what I'm saying to that? Facts are facts. Tell yeah, me people, where I'm wrong. You, you know how people feel about facts these days, Specter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Have a nice evening. I appreciate the call, Specter. G's up next. Hey, G. Hello. Hey, man. How you doing? Quick, quick thought on Dion. The exciting part is is how he could recruit. If he can recruit players, he can recruit the assistant coaches. He can get probably anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. With that. And if you can get good people around you, you're going to be successful. Yeah, I mean he can he can go in any living room in the uh, in in the country. And he can be wearing his his gold Hall of Fame jacket, and then his red NFL seventy five jacket, and then he can also have his or NFL one hundred jacket or whatever it was, and then look at the fact, and he can talk to any corner in the country and say, "Hey, I'm the greatest corner that's ever lived. Yeah. Like, come play for I mean, me, and I'll get you to the all NFL." You got, all you got to do is point to the fact that you got Travis Hunter to go play oh, at Jackson gosh, State. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, whatever, whatever that took. It's just like <laughs> it's 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 wild. And G's point, well, I, though, just, I think we've had a, a real of, problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we just had a real G. problem getting good assistant coaches over no, the No, when you look season. at the respect that he has from former players, like we were talking about former Auburn players, and you look at the staff that he has at Jackson State, where they can't pay them very much at all. No. No, he won't have any trouble bringing in a very, very good staff. Well, I just. That's the thing, and I don't think after this year, if we don't get him, I don't think we'll ever have another chance. He's gonna be I, he's I, gonna be a power five coach in very 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 soon. It's gonna be a matter of who who's the one who makes the takes the gamble, pulls the trigger on it, and 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 we'll see. I mean, I think I mean, we I think there are several jobs open right now that could do that could do a whole lot worse than getting him. We had several callers uh, kind of throw out the idea that if Auburn were to land land Lane Kiffin. Deion Sanders to Ole Miss, which is interesting. Yep, that's another one I would keep in mind. Well, you got to look for Deion slipping to Oklahoma. Mm. I, you know, the one, the one that I don't know fit-wise, culturally, with what this institution usually is all about with their football program. I don't know how great a fit, but you talk about location and just the and just the buzz there. I mean, come on, Georgia Tech's open. And you talk about a man. Yeah. Who, you talk about a man who was who who had Atlanta. Uh, he ran it at one point in his in his playing career. So um, that's another one to, to to keep in mind. But yeah, I, I he's gonna get a, he's gonna get offers and he's gonna get interviews at least with with a, with a lot of folks. At some point, Auburn, does FSU open up? Yeah, that's the yeah. other thing about well, Dion. Well, you know, here here's the thing. I, I I don't know that Dion and FSU. I think with the I think Dion Sanders didn't like the way. Florida State treated Bobby Bowden at the end. I don't know that Dion and Florida State have been extremely close over the years. Auburn's still got more to offer resource-wise, financial, backing facilities than Florida State does. I think Auburn's the most Auburn's the most uh, uh, attractive job that there is open right now, and, if, and, and I feel like they're willing to pay. I don't think that's going to be a problem. First of all, I think Dion's worth 40 or $50 million right now. I don't think it's all about money for Dion, but I think he'd like to be at a place where he is competing at the highest level in college, and that's in the SEC. Underestimate his ego and ability to want to go up against Saban. I, I, I think that, is, that, that, that with him is more than anything. 
Yeah, wouldn't the Aflac commercials be fun then? <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't the uh, Iron Bowl just become it be sponsored by Aflac at that yep. point? It'd be the Iron Bowl sponsored to. by or brought to you by Aflac. It would have to be. <laughs> ESPN would pay to have that thing on their network. I kidding. <sighs> the publicity, whoever, wherever Dion goes, the publicity that that school gets is going to be unbelievable. And here's something else to keep in mind. I do believe that John Cohen and uh, Deion Sanders have a, uh, um, a pretty good relationship. Interesting. Probably. Probably. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you. Appreciate the call, G. I think we need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join us as we wind it down here on the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of the Thursday Drive. Bill, Carter, Justin, and... uh, uh, Justin, before uh, before we run out of time, I mean, we've been talking. We just sort of jumped right into it with callers and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and and look, I don't want anybody to think that, well, it's about to happen that somebody's going to be announced. I don't expect there to be a coach named until the regular season ends. Yep. Um, but, but how, I mean, how realistic do you think the talk, we've been talking primarily, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin, Deion Sanders. I mean, um, a, a lot of people from the outside, like we were talking with David, who's an Auburn guy. But if you haven't, if you haven't been around here and you don't see this, it is hard to believe that Auburn's going to be able to get its act together and pull together to be able to go after a big fish like one of those guys. And yeah, if it's not if it's not going to happen now, it probably will never happen. Like this is the this is the spot. This is the moment to kind of do it. And I'll, I'll give you an example where I think things might be turning around from just from folks I've talked to this week. John Cohen was reportedly going to be the guy for Auburn on Saturday. Obviously it takes him until Monday to uh, make a move, right? You know, for Auburn to finalize that. Um, There were reports about people not being so happy about Cohen. Yeah. There was some pushback there and, you know, Chris Roberts and, and, and uh, you know, his, his decision making wins out. You know, so I do think there's like pushback and like everybody's not going to be always be on the same page ever. But I do think there might be something kind of kind of switching up here. The fact that, you know, there is an AD hire that that has been made and there's just some there's just some more decisiveness. Like you said, Bill, like, you know, you know, Dr. Roberts uh, better than any of us talking right now. And and I just I just feel like this is a great opportunity for Auburn athletics to change at least in the way it relates to their football program, the way it's changed the way business is done. Um, and so, look, getting John Cohen, when a lot of people were talking about them plucking guys who are from the Mountain West, that's something that stands out to me. So, yeah, I mean, I think people are like, well, who wants this Auburn job? Who's going to want to deal with all the stuff at Auburn? It's like, I think we've already been – I think I think a lot of uh, outside folks have already been proven wrong once. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again with the with the, with the coaching job. Oh, yeah. Let's get to James. James, we've got about a minute. Hey, guys. I just wanted it. I guess my thing is, is do y'all feel like 
between everybody you talk to, it seems like it's half and half for me, uh, the people that I talk to uh, in Auburn. Um, y'all think Dion's leading it, or do you think Lane's leading it in the talk of who who would be the one to replace? I, I think the, I think the primary can, and I'll be interested to hear what Bill is. I think the primary can, like the top one for a lot of people who may be making the decision or have influence on the decision is Lane Kiffin. Agreed. Um, and then I think Dion's one that's gotten a lot of love from the fan base and will I think will be considered by Auburn for sure. But I think Lane just checks too many boxes, especially coming from the fact that he is a sitting head coach uh, in, in, in the SEC. What, um, what he's doing at Ole Miss, I mean, they haven't seen that in decades. Yeah, 100%. I agree. That's who I would pick. I mean, I'm in the Lane camp. It's not. I don't like Dion or I don't think Dion can do it. I do, but at the same time, too, I like the body of work better with Lane because he's done it for longer and he's got SEC experience. And I think right now you have to hit it out of the out of the park, you know. So, but you got to be swinging from the heels. There's no question. And and you know, like uh, like Spectre mentioned, hey, Lane's eight years younger than Dion too. That uh, is I mean, wild. There's so many. There's so many things to like about both of them. Oh, yeah. I said, boy, you give it your best shot to either one, and if you get one, it's a home run. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you can't go wrong with either either one of those in terms of. I, I I think Lane makes a makes a lot more sense for those reasons. But if you want to be the one to take the Dion gamble, uh, it could pay off in a huge way. Justin, one more time, let folks know about the Observer yeah. how they can get it. Auburn Sign up there. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Everything we do gets emailed to your inbox. A ton of Auburn football. A ton of Auburn basketball. We got plenty of stuff over the weekend. Yeah, that's it. Carter, thanks for filling in, man. Yeah, but, hey, I'm I'm glad I could uh, join you on. It's been fun. All right, Dan should be back tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be in the studio. Have a good morning.